0: This is the Meta Cast. Now, Sir Nicholas Devere um, tells us in regard to the Elven bloodlines, in his book on the, uh, the Dragos bloodlines, he tells us that the Elven sons of the An. Am- Linagi interbred with human women in an experiment that created the Naphidim. Nephilim, Naphidim. Sounds very close. And it records that these people were destroyed long before the flood. It was said that these children of the Demiurge or Yaldabalde or Samael um, and the children of Lilith became the Divas and uh, With the Divas, it's it's really kind of hard sometimes because in some of the stories They tell you that they are the children of Lilith Whereas in other stories they become more like Mother Indra and uh, but I bring it together because the Divas arrive after the creation but before the flood so, you know, and the idea that they fled to the north, or Thule, to the Norse, both being the birthplace of humanity before the flood. This was the beginning of what was known as the Aryans, right? So, now, these elven bloodlines worked... A second experiment after this a sort of a breeding program where they would begin to produce a purebred line of elven kings and queens to supervise a race of quarter breeds that they had already made and uh, from this the Demiurge's bestial creatures variously described as robots or golems as well as being called the slaves of Atlantis. And the and they basically degraded themselves while endlessly multiplying, uh, much like the children of Indra. So they were wiped out. Now in regard to this idea of creating these different types of vessels, we have to consider the option that they were working to transmit different astral entities into these vessels, these bodies they were creating in in the course of these experiments. And it's the idea that these fallen ones or these astral entities, these, these archonic forces, cannot transmigrate through the miscellaneous heavens. They they can't matriculate. They're, they're hard found forces made of the elements. They're, they're basically part of the building blocks of what this universe is. So you know when Lucifer falls down and refuses to bow to man, one of the reasons being was the fact that they don't have transmigration of the soul. And this is the idea in ancient times much like the uh, Buddhists or the miscellaneous Eastern religions where, you know, you have the idea of karma, which dictates whether or not as you progress through this this, this physical realm, whether or not your soul, your, your eternal fire, light, will move upward or downward. And then, of course, we have the Bodhisattva who would be the last because he's the helper to help us all get there. So these these divas, it says they descended through the universe, arriving to this realm through the cosmic aperture of Venus, clothed themselves in matter, which is these prepared bodies, and settled on a ring-shaped polar continent around the north pole, which is the Axis Mundi, right? which they called Hyperborea. And this was in memory of their original homeland near the black sun and the green ray. And becoming earthbound, trapped in the matrix of matter, these divas, or div, or dev, if we go into the Persian, which is where we get the word devil, they were begotten of Angramanyu, which is Ariman, or the Wicked Spirit of Zoroastrianism. And despite their dark nature, some say that the diva is derived from the Persian word devata, meaning, in the case of the Ahuras, the Shining Ones. We're going to hear, in several cases, the uh, births of these bright and shining individuals through history as we go. And uh, in Vij, which is the seed cradle of the Aryans, they were instructed to build an ark. Now, we all know the story of the ark as far as Noah's ark, but this is a different type of ark. They were instructed to build an ark inside of a mountain to protect from the terrible winter that would overtake at the true north of the world, which is the meeting place of heaven and earth, the gateway to the stars. Now, if we think about this idea of them Moving to the true north right this mountain on the true north If this is the access mundi um, Which is this? Uh, I believe it's a magnetic Force that flows out of the planet that is the positive force That basically is linked to the heavens So this true magnetic north they believed it was like a pillar almost that hung the earth in the heavens. And if, if we think it was the true north and the possibility, or well, we have the definite fact that there was a pole shift some uh, 12,000 years ago, where would that true north mountain be now? Professor Charles Hapgood says in context of the lost continent of Atlantis he tells us that it is the continent of Antarctica. He says any worldwide seafaring civilization superior to all others on the planet would have seen their Arctic homeland as the positive pole, the center of the Earth, the true North. And uh, modern science tells us that the last magnetic pole reversal was at about 10,400 BCE, and before this, Antarctica was the North Pole. So, what are all these scientific expeditions doing down in Antarctica? It's got to make you wonder. But instead of Atlantis, I believe this this sounds much more like Lemuria or the Lemurians per se that had fled to Ultima Thule um, as I try to draw all these threads together. I have a quote here from Diodorus Siculus who tells us that, Opposite the coast of Galilee-Celtia, which is I believe Ireland, there is an island in the ocean, not smaller than Sicily, laying to the north, which is inhabited by Hyperboreans, who are so named because they dwell beyond the north wind. The island is of happy temperature, rich in soil, and fruitful in everything, yielding its produce twice in the year. So it seems like this was a really nice place where they had some really good stuff going on. A curious quote that I found while I was uh, researching the blind owl, Says that if there is an Oriental Pole, QTeb ash it will only lead up to Fairyland where you will see things that turn you into one of the men in black. And uh, I thought that was very interesting because a lot of these uh, Scythian, Fae-type cultures the uh, the Norse even and a lot of the Germanic Frankish coming down from the steppe people of Tartaria said that this was where they were from. these These fairies. And I also thought it was interesting that it said that you will see things that turn you into one of the men in black. And when I was a kid, I remember in grade school getting a book about kind of a 14 book about miscellaneous anomalies, and it was the first time that I saw anything about the idea of these men in black and uh, It said that they they would come down and and watch people and that when they would uh, Go out to eat funny enough that the only thing they could taste was hot sauce so they put hot sauce on everything and it's quite quite strange stuff to be learning when you're six or seven year old, you know, from from the book fair at the school. Now in the Secret Doctrine, Madame Blavatsky references a linguist who tells us that Ka Misum or the ancient Coptic language is from Western Asia and contains the germ of Semitic thus bearing witness to the primitive cognate unity of the Aryan and Semitic coming from the same source so you know let's try to end this silly fight and realize that we are all one people just moving and shifting throughout the globe I believe at one point we were one world people and the Tower of Babel story tells of the, the breaking up and the division of the tongues, which we will get into later. But now back to Lilith and Samael. If we look into Samael a little bit, he is said to be the chief of the demons. And in the Talmud is the great serpent with 12 wings that draws down after himself. And it is said that he is representative of the passing year, right? He is the spirit of the earth, the personal God that governs this planet. And we will see Samael popping up in numerous places as we as we move through history. Um, so essentially, we have the spirit of the earth, Samael, the king of demons, Breathing with Adam's first wife, Lilith. Bringing forth these divas. Whereupon the sinking of Lemuria, they fled to Hyperborea, or Ultima Thule. And only then does Atlantis begin. Right? And and once Atlantis begin, this is at the point in the story where we are bringing about... The current type of humanity the current type of human being that we are now Then the question arises Might this disappearance in in historical terms of what we know? The disappearance of the Neanderthal and the rise of the Cro-Magnon Which happened about 35,000 years ago BCE as being different non sequitur species, meaning that they didn't come from one another, right? But the the Neanderthal disappeared, the Cro-Magnon begins to rise. We know the Neanderthals had bigger craniums, bigger brain cavities than the Cro-Magnon. We know they were breeding together and there were some offshoots, but nonetheless the Cro-Magnon became the dominant species about 35,000 years ago. So could this be tied in with the, the building of Atlantis and the genetic experimentation that would be going on there? And meanwhile, in a secret occulted garden, most likely inside of a mountain, or it could have been a dimensional white cube on another plane of existence. The first humans were being created, and uh, if we read the Rosicrucian philosopher Jacob Bohem, he writes in the Mysterium Magnum, what in time would become bone, now hardened and became something closer to wax warmed by the sun his green limbs also become tinged with pink as adam solidifies he also began to divide in two that is to say he was a hermaphrodite who reproduced in a asexual way a meiosis of sorts so It was by this plant-like method of reproduction that Eve was born out of Adam's body, molded from the waxy cartilage which served Adam for bone. The progeny of Adam and Eve reproduced asexually as well, procreating by using sounds in a way analogous to the creative activity of the word. And this reminds me to recall the idea of the Masonic word, which was lost. And it's kind of like that, uh, the word that Lilith uttered to fly out of paradise or the garden. And at the same time, it also kind of reminds me of uh, Moadib in Dune and how his word comes to life as a destructive force now thought the atlantean tells us that man is in the process of changing to forms that are not of this world grows he in time to the formless a plane on the cycle above know ye ye must become formless before ye are with the light and the kabbalist who use the tree of life, see it as a sort of a circuit board with direct like pipes, almost like irrigation pipes. The energy flows between each of the spheres in certain directions. And with this understanding that this is sort of how the astral energy moves on this plane of existence. Channeling energy, Fohat, Piranha, down to earth, which is in the tree of life in Kabbalah, called Malkuth, um, from the supernal realm of God, who is the crown on top of the tree of life, which is Kether. Just as energy rises from our realm back to the Godhead, so it comes from the Godhead down to earth, or um, Malkuth. And this is like the circulatory system of the influx of energy flow through the cosmos. And as this system lays in the heavens as almost the universal circuit board for the idea of Adam Cadman, Kether, the head, which is invisible and missing, but ever-present, as above, so below, so this system operates as well in our own physical bodies transmitting from the ineffable mind down into the body and this kind of links in with the idea of the hindu system of chakras the energy spheres in the body that one can be taught to spin very much like the geodesic forms and the spheres that we talked about earlier you can activate those and basically move energy or chi through this system of the body and it's generally accepted that there are seven chakras in most systems although if you count energy points outside the body sometimes they're said to be 10 or 12 in the Scythian fei chakra system there's 13 chakras and it's also said that there are a total number of 114 shockers in some systems. So, and I think at that point you'd be getting more into meridians and acupuncture points and different things like that. Now we've pretty extensively talked about Adam and the origins of the idea of Adam Cadman and the coming forth of the universal man into physical form, the story of Eve is a little different. It's much older and can be traced back to the ancient mother goddess or the world mother, and back to many of the mystery serpent cults of the pre-biblical writings. As we have discussed earlier, The Hebrew, Havva, the mother of all things, simultaneously meaning the serpent. Likewise, in Arabic, the words for snake, life, and teaching are also closely related to the name of Eve. Now, back in the garden, the Bible tells us that the Lord God commanded the man Saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of knowledge and good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest there, thou shalt surely die. So we're in the garden, all the trees, all the fruits, all the plants, everything is fair game except for this mysterious tree. And uh, there's been many speculations as to what this tree was, the citron tree, the pomegranate tree. And if you get into the whole Dead Sea Scrolls, there could be an argument made that it was a mushroom. And a little bit later, we will get into the apple and Apollo, which we'll, draw out some interesting points in regard to this tempting fruit. Back to Samaria, it was at this point that the remaining Lemarians at Ultimathule, called the Sons of the Serpent, decided to rescue their Adamic cousins from their confinement for they had been monitoring these angelic forces and so went by the means of some sort of a skyship to this occulted garden as they knew they would still be experimenting there, creating new races. And this is how the serpent, it is said by the Sumerian texts, came to the garden. Michael Jones, writes about the Jewish pseudopigraphal, the primary Adam books, which were written in Greek, which tell us, Satan says to the serpent, be my vessel, I will speak through your mouth, words to deceive them. Now, is this Samael possessing one of these sons of the serpent? Um, interesting possibility to contemplate. In Iran, a Yersan account tells us how Azazel secured the services of the serpent and the peacock before entering into paradise to tempt the newly ensouled couple. But instead of the forbidden fruit, it is wheat that is the cause of the fall. And in this culture of the Yarsan, wheat is a sign of material wealth, but it's also the point at which man broke from the lifestyle of the hunter-gatherer and became an agricultural culture. And we see at this point that Adam and Eve, as well as the serpent and the peacock angel, Malaktaus, are expelled from Eden. And uh, both this serpent and this peacock are both um, the highest totemic animals of the Watcher class. And as a result of this eating of this fruit, the curse of the serpent came about. And for this crime, God. Or the Elohim says cursed above all cattle above all every beast of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life and I will put an enmity between thee and woman thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head and thou shall bruise his heel. Some very uh, mysterious words that many people have tried to bring meaning out of. And then these Elohim, upon kicking Adam and Eve out, would say to Eve, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow, thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And in Adam's case, they would say to him, In sorrow, shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. And I believe this is referring to the forbidden knowledge of the good and evil. That the Adamic couple had taken on but now also note that while all this was happening the tree of life was still in the garden and was never forbidden to be eaten from and as the God or gods the Elohim talked amongst themselves they said behold man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now least he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. And this has made many speculate that we can live longer in these bodies than we currently are. And there is a point later where we will get to these entities basically limiting the number of days we can live, uh, but it's interesting to see all the miscellaneous, uh, you know, life extension programs and all these people, you know, the blood transfusions for the rich and all the miscellaneous ways that even to the point of digitizing our minds into a, uh, a digital form. Does that also include the the ensoulment? A lot of the futurists believe that we are just soft machines and don't even have souls. So it's uh, interesting stuff to contemplate. But through the course of all this, this eating of this forbidden fruit and this understanding of this knowledge of good and evil, humankind gained consciousness and uh you know you can compare this uh for any of any of you tolkien fans out there in the sulmarinian at the creation he speaks of the rings um, or the the vibration that created reality and you know all these rings were all singing the same tone and suddenly one of them became conscious and said Oh, this song is so beautiful. And he started to sing an accompaniment to the ringing of the eternal ether. And this was looked at as the fall, or, you know, the, the point at which consciousness became. Very much like in, um, oh, the Urantia book, where, you know, this angelic force comes to earth and basically tells these New Yorkers that this is, you know, in the seven wings of the spinning of the fractaline universe, that this is the first time that this has happened as far as this, this beginning of free will. Now, it is said that there are three main theories of the universe, of the physical nature that we live in. And that would be monism, which is mono, which is singular, which is essentially that dot that's inside of the circle. But by making the circle, we create dualism, which is at least two or two. And besides monism and dualism, we have nihilism. And this is very much like the evolution of the spheres of the Eastern texts. Because if we mirror this monism to dualism to nihilism, and we go then again from nihilism to dualism back to monism, right? So a sinking into depravity and a rise back up to nirvana or the monad or kether or generally the godhead now earlier we had called out the peacock angel melak by name and we will be speaking of him later as well when we get into the Azidis. but as far as the name of the serpent this is the nashash being described by ezekiel in the bible as an anointed guardian cherub and he was, or it was kicked out of Eden or the mountain of God. And this character became later the Lord of the dead of the Eastern storm God known as Baal or Baal, which uh, Jesus basically classified as Satan. Or the Shaitan, the adversary, whom we will also be discussing down the line. Now, the eating of the fruit of this tree of good and evil thus began all living. And also, mirrored, it began all dying. For God had told man and woman that they shall surely die. And likewise, we see in the story of Persephone, who became condemned to stay in the underworld when in her hunger, she ate six pomegranate seeds. One has to speculate on what type of life was lived before this thing called death came into existence. And we have to wonder you know, how long they were in that cube. Now with the fall, primitive unity was destroyed and the idea of suffering entered into the world in the guise of a serpent. And this is sacred knowledge or sacred wisdom. And the tree of life became inverted through the minds of men and became the tree of death and it is said that Eve set out to fulfill the words of the eternal plan from the first hour of the fall and from this point the great and terrible task of initiation has been set upon us all and their alpha in regard to the idea of alpha to omega the beginning to the end it is said that their alpha is common to our mother of all things being the creative force the chaos of the monad that gave birth to the thought and that this Omega when everything condenses back to that singular point is constituted as Liberty which is another term that we will be following through the course of this investigation. Now in the book of the Cave of Treasures, Eden is set deep within a holy mountain and is entered by a cave. And in its center has a well that is called the Well of Jacob. And when Adam and Eve were expelled, Eden this garden became occulted or hidden within this mountain and thus it became fallen. Um, we can see reflections of the fallen angels and the wars in the heavens that arose after the fall in the Vedic tales of Indra. and. Uh, It's quite a beautiful line here. It says, The older wheels rotated downwards and upwards. The mother's spawn filled the hole. There were battles fought between the creators and the destroyers. And it seems as though this tree of life growing on top of the tree of good and evil was stacked. So, in, in geometric expression, if you create sacred geometry with a compass and square, this can this can be built one upon the other um, and, ex- and, and seen expressed through sacred geometry. But this could also refer to the all tree of the mistletoe that grows atop the oak of the druids, which was said to be separated by a flaming sword. And who carried the flaming swords? The cherubim. And at the time of the fall, it was said that these two trees were cut apart. And in the Zohar, um, I 237, it tells us that the tree of knowledge was also driven out of paradise with Adam and Eve. And that now four cherubim these uh, guardians with the flaming swords guard the tree and mirrored in the heavens you have two of these cherubim in the earthly realm as well as two of these cherubim guarding the astral form of this tree in the supernal Eden or the heavenly realm. Now these two cherubim in the earthly realm are represented atop the Ark of the Covenant that we have all seen in the movies. And there are most likely a set of four of these cherubim also guarding the Tree of Life as well. Malcolm Goodwin recounts the legend of the Ship of Solomon, which is quite an interesting tale. And it says that when Adam and Eve were banished from the garden of Eden, Eve still carried a part of the branch of the tree of life, which she planted and it took root. The twig became a tree, but white as snow. Where have we seen that that white as snow tree before? For at the time Eve plucked it from the tree in Eden, she was still a virgin. And under this tree in the earthly realm was conceived beneath it, Abel. Um, And when Abel was conceived beneath that tree, it then turned green. Very interesting. So, now we're gonna move to the Mahabharata, the Indian epic poem. And uh, we have an analogous story within this book of The Fall. And it is uh, some beautiful stuff indeed. Let's see. It says, ye have existed before the creation, ye firstborn beings. Ye are displayed in this wondrous universe of five elements. I desire to obtain you by the help of knowledge derived from hearing and of meditation. For ye are infinite, ye are the course itself of nature, an intelligent soul that pervades the course. Ye are birds of beautiful feathers perched on the body that is like to a tree. Ye are without three common attributes of every soul, ye are incomparable. The year is but the nave of a wheel to which is attached seven hundred and twenty spokes, representing as many days and nights. The circumference of this wheel, represented by the twelve months, is without end. This wheel is full of delusions, and knows no deterioration. It affects all creatures, whether to this or the other worlds. Ye Aswins, this wheel of time is now set in motion by you. And the sons of Diti. Dityas, being repeatedly defeated in war by the sons of Adit, the celestials, and, deprived also of sovereignty and heaven, began to be incarnated on earth. And O king, the Asuras, being possessed of great powers and desirous of sovereignty, began to be born on the earth amongst various creatures." Now it says, born on the earth amongst various creatures. You almost have to wonder if initially these entities were projecting them themselves or their energies into this these animals such as kine horses asses camel buffalo and among elephants and deer and amongst the sons of dt of danu cast out of heaven some were born on earth as kings of great pride and insolence. Possessed of great energy, they covered the earth in various shapes. Capable of oppressing all foes, they filled the earth, having the oceans for its boundaries. And by their strength, they began to oppress. Terrifying and killing all creatures, they traversed the earth o king in bands of hundreds and thousands devoid of truth and virtue proud of their strength and intoxicated with insolence so essentially we see a description of the idea of mankind humankind being incomparable to all other forms of life in the universe because The idea that we are ensouled, right? And then the idea that us, our species falling into matter, set time in motion. And then it speaks of these Dayatyas being repeatedly defeated, fled heaven and came to earth to establish their own kingdom, their own sovereignty. So we see that they came here to rule in their own way, separate from what this initial ring or this monad or this godhead said or was all about. Now it is said 2000 years before creation Tradition says that the creation of the world Kaaba was the first construct in heaven where a model of it still remains today. And when Adam and Eve fell, Adam erected the first Kaaba on earth exactly below the spot that it was in heaven and selected stones from five sacred mountains. Sinai, Al-Juld, Hira, Olivet, and Lebanon is one list I have. And then I have another list from another source where it is Lebanon, Torsina, Ararat, Hira, Digibinor, and Torzint. So, Adam took stones from five mountains surrounding where the original Kaaba was set up, this original altar, to try to get back to God. And it was said that 10,000 angels were appointed to guard this structure. And during the time of the deluge later, and we'll get into, This sacred structure was destroyed, but after again, was rebuilt by Abraham and his son Ishmael. And, uh, you know, you really have to wonder if this first Kaaba of sorts was some sort of a uh, stone circle to watch the stars being the universal Adam Cadman in the sky, the Kabbalah the tree to which is in both the heavens and inside of our own body, which is the roadmap that links our body to this heavenly body of which the head is invisible. The Sepa Yessera tells us that this ancient Kabbalah is founded on the Torah, or the first five books of the Old Testament, translated from Hebrew as that which was received. So the the Kabbalah basically translates to that which was received. And it is a kind of a map as we had discussed. And some say that he carried it down but then there's also stories of it being handed down by angels to Adam and we have to question in that case whether these were the higher angelic forces the higher messengers or if these were the fallen the Nephilim those who fell from the heavens um, who gave him this Kabbalah and by which our fallen species may find its way back to the Godhead and that being the case if it is indeed the true Kether the true Godhead um, then it would be in a positive light now the word husband has the root of meaning tiller of the soil and Adam was indeed the first husband. Granted, he's got an ex-wife out there, but to, to Eve, he is currently wedded. Now, in Hebrew, the word Adam relates to red earth, which we see with the story of Cain and also in Egypt's separation of the kingdoms. Now, Pan, the Azazel-like goat figure, who's a sort of a satyr, was called Inus or Enosh. In Genesis, he is called Enos, which is the generic name for man after the fall, as when man came upon the planet, he instilled panic in all the animals of the forest and in one legend it said that the serpent who is the anti-cosmic Samael the Nashish Samaelileth came together which uh, generally when these two come together um, it is said that destruction of the universe ensues so we don't see very many times other than right here where Samael Lilith are used as a single word to in- intonate the Nashesh the serpent the cosmic wisdom of the earthly realm and together they seduce Eve and bring forth Cain the anti-cosmic messiah of the sitra Achra, And this is bringing forth the line of Cain. And when I see this sitra Achra, I think of the that of Dune. Um, interesting tie in there. In Samaria, the story of Inki Semael and Eve who was said to be his daughter right their offspring was Cain who was mated with Lilith Lulua who was the purebred Anunnaki daughter of Lilith Semael. so here we have the story of Samael and Lilith basically having a daughter called Lulua and Inki Semael inseminating his line into Eve or Ava, his daughter, brings forth this character, Cain. So in Mesopotamia and Egypt, according to the Dragon Line, which you can read um Nicholas DeVere's work, Said that Cain was the offspring of Enki, Semael, and Ava, Eve, so that his blood was three quarters Anunnaki, or three quarter giant. And his half brother, Havel, or Abel, and Satanel, again, is Seth. And they were said to be less than half Anunnaki being the offspring of Ateba and Eva, being Adam and Eve. By some, it is said that the line of Cain is also the beginning of the Grail bloodline, as in the Holy Grail. Now, the Circular Swastika is the magical totem that Lilith, brought down and gave to Cain as a magical sigil now this is generally not the swastika you see this is the circular swastika and it is also the mark that is used by the goddess kali in the hindu tradition and it basically represents the scythe of the reaper the golden sickle of the druids spinning on its hilt which is ursa major in the sky the big the mother bear and as the seasons go she rotates in the sky right over each of the four seasons and this represents the sowing and the reaping of the four winds and at this point we see that abel became a sheep herder and came Became the tiller of the land. I would like to thank Christian Essex over at Big Barn Studios for all the production work as well as the background sounds you are hearing. And I am... R. Marks, the researcher and recorder of said information, delving in and looking for ideas in how culture moves and why we think the way we think. I appreciate you listening, and I hope everyone out there has a beautiful day. Thank you.